Hello everybody, and this is the BearCast Media Bengals Recap Show. I am Justin Cashman alongside Alex Frank and Preston Stober. And for the first time in four weeks, we're coming at you after following a Bengals win. Bengals won uh, on Sunday 33-25 against the Jacksonville Jaguars. It uh, wasn't a pretty one, but a win is a win, and those are hard to come by in the NFL. So, uh, Preston, we'll start with you. What are some of your initial thoughts from uh, Sunday's game? Well, I mean, I was just really excited to watch it. I was at the game personally, and it was just it, the energy there was amazing. I mean, you got to watch Joe Burrow get his first win. I mean, everybody was just playing great. and I mean, it, it, it seemed like just a great team win. I'm with it. I'm with you there, Preston. You talk about passing for over 300, passing for 300 yards, rushing for over 200 yards. I mean, that's a this is a really good offense performance, and uh, we don't see these kinds of games where the Bengals put up 500 yards of offense. Now, then again, it's a new era. Joe Burrow at quarterback. Um, Joe Mixon. It's so funny what happens when you give Joe Mixon the ball 25 times. Isn't it, isn't, isn't it remarkable what happens when you give him the ball 25 times? And what's funny is he had 10 carries for 25 yards or 26 yards. So that means on his last 15 carries, he had 125 yards rushing. Yeah, That right there is pretty impressive. And it's, it's, it, it shows why he was paid $48 million in the offseason. Great win yesterday, I thought. You know, Tyler Boyd played well. T. Higgins had another nice game. Drew Sample had another nice game. The defense take away the two drives at the end of the first and second halves, respectively. They contain Jacksonville very, very well. And what have we said all season long? This offensive line needs to step up. And with a new right guard in there, Alex Redman, their fourth starting right guard so far this season, they <laughs> stepped up. I mean, given Jacksonville does not have an elite defensive line, but it doesn't matter. As long as they play well, Look at look when they play well. This is their best game they've had so far this season. And look what Joe Mixon did. One sack for zero sack yardage. Josh Allen had a sack. But look, this is easily the best they played all year. And imagine if they play like this in the first three weeks. This team could be, you know, 3-1, and 4-0. Who knows? Because by the way Joe Burrow played, who knows how far we could have gone. So what were you surprised about how the offensive line played? Or do you think they played how they should have, given that Jacksonville doesn't have an elite defensive line? Or, and what do you think moving forward? Do you think they should keep the same lineup? Or do you think maybe they should throw back in, you know, like Billy Price in there? Or what do you think? No, I think you, you take what you got yesterday, which was a very solid performance. And you're going into your biggest game of the season on Sunday, which we'll get to more later on today and definitely on Friday. But I think you definitely continue to roll out the lineup that you rolled out yesterday. I am surprised that the offensive line played as well as they did. Just because given what was said all week with what Jim Turner was saying, you know, they... Just things that were completely not true, given what we have seen and what the media has seen. We are members of the media, by the way. Um, so I was surprised yesterday just how well they played. I watched the, the tape today, or at least a majority of it, and Alex Redman, I'll tell you what, he played really, really well. I owe that man an apology because I was like, oh, don't, get, don't be too excited that Alex Redman is starting this week because this is because our right guard is not very good. And Alex Redman, yeah, he wasn't very good prior to you know this season, like... You know, it's not some, you know, feel-good story of how he was cut and, you know, he felt like he wasn't going to come back here and now he's playing right guard for the Bengals. No, it's not that. Well, okay. You know, he played really well yesterday. I, I didn't see one thing on the tape that made me concerned, made me, you know, or did not look quality or high quality. So this was a really solid performance. Preston, what you see? I, I can't give major props to you. You went to the game yesterday, 6,000 fans in attendance, which... I will say, watching it on television, I don't know about you, Justin, but it like it felt like a normal NFL game. 
It did. I mean, it was it. The energy was there. I mean, and with six thousand, obviously, it's not to the full extent as it usually is. But the energy of the fans were there, and I mean, I think everybody was just excited, you know, to watch uh, the Bengals. I mean, get into the game. I mean, it was just it was loud. Not as obviously as loud as it would have been, but it was loud. I mean, the energy was there. I think the players fed off of it a little bit too. I mean, it was just it was a great time. It was great to see you know fans getting back in stadiums as a whole, and then obviously for the Bengals, that was great to see too. But then yeah, to answer your point, Justin, I think. You know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I think as the offensive line played good, let's keep it as that. Let's keep moving forward with that until, I mean, you want to make another change. But um, I was also a little bit surprised that the offensive line was playing just that good. I mean, I think I expected it to be a little bit better playing the Jaguars. But I think that they showed that when this team is able to open up to running a run offense and a pass offense, when they can be two-dimensional, it's a great offense. And I mean, it can, it can go very far. I mean, when you have a quarterback like Joe Burrow and a weapons like we have and then Joe Mixon in the backfield I think that when the offensive line is able to be two-dimensional that this team this offense can go very far great point to bring up there and I want to expand on that because you talk about the multi-dimensions multi-dimensional offense that this team has you know how many times yesterday did did you see misdirection and we haven't seen that ever with this with this organization but you know you look at T. Higgins had an end around Tyler Boyd had an end around same with uh Alex Erickson Giovanni Bernard and then think about this too guys on the first drive of the second half, it felt like every play went to the right side. And it, we said last week, don't run the ball to the right side. Okay, well, Joe Mixon, touchdown run was to the outside. Which, by the way, completely fooled me. I'm like, oh, who's Joe Burrow going to throw the ball to? Oh, wait, Joe Mixon's running the ball down the field. I mean, that was now a great play call there by, wait, did I just say great play call there? <laughs> you, that might be the first time we've said that all year. I think it, I think it is. I, and I got to give I got to give credit to Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan. You know, they... They finally realized they finally were able to give the ball to Joe Mixon, and he just kept getting stronger and stronger throughout the game. And you know they kept giving him the ball. And you know we talk about I was going back through the the the, the game book today and the play by play, and just because you're up twenty four thirteen midway through the third quarter, there's still so much time left, and you're playing well offensively. And you can say, well, why did they only come away with nine points? Okay. You know it was just those drives ended with field goals, but it's not like they were playing sluggish. The entire second half. No, they were moving the ball down the field. The best play of the game was that touch pass to Seathan Carter. On the first play after being up 24-13, Joe Burrow kind of just lobbed it over the top to Seathan Carter. What you're seeing with Joe Burrow, and the interception, I'm not even really worried about that. That's Drew Sample's got to haul that in. Could the Like you said, Justin, could the ball have been thrown to a different location? Yes, but he was being pressured. It was a good throw under pressure given the circumstances. I mean, Joe Burrow has been unbelievable through these first four games. And now he finally has stuff around him. Offensive line. Now, it is just one game. Talk to me after the Ravens and the Colts games. Then we'll see where they're at. But maybe it is the start of something. At least now, with the multi-dimensions of being able to run for 200, pass for 300. I mean, we haven't seen that explosiveness. And we didn't even have that explosiveness when they were at the peak in the Marvin Lewis era. They didn't have that. Because with Hugh Jackson, it was, well, maybe they did in some games. I'll have to go back and look at the stats. But it, it just seems like this is a completely, I mean, this offense, we've said it. They're not bad. They can move the ball. And they finally did so yesterday with Joe Mixon. Uh, with him, with Joe Burrow. I mean, what, what, I don't even know Burrow's final stats. I'm so concerned about Joe Mixon. I should know this. He's a, the franchise quarterback. Uh, 25 of 36, 300 yards, one touchdown, one reception, longest Pass completion, 30. Quarterback rating of 92.4. Those are great numbers. 
And then we think about multi-dimensions on offense. How about the defense showing up yesterday? Jesse Bates, another fantastic game. Um, linebackers were solid for the most part, although there were some missed tackles here and there. Do you remember there was one play where Jermaine Pratt, I felt I could have had a pick six. I think it might have. Was that, what quarter was that in? Second or third, I want to say. Yeah, but the defense definitely stepped up after the first three weeks and looking at how poorly they played you kind of go well you know that's how they played the last few years but no they really stepped up they took advantage against you know they had good matchups Von Bell played really well I mean DJ Reader played well even Christian Covington and Imani Bledsoe Andrew Brown I think had a half sack so guys that aren't usually in the starting rotation that got in just due to some injuries they really stepped up in a major way and we talked about it um these corners, they didn't play very well. I mean, the Jaguars have some decent receivers. Chris Conley, LaVisca Chanel, DJ Chark, who had a great game. Um, so I think that's probably the most concerning. But, yeah, you're right. Um, Logan Wilson was out, who's obviously the third-round pick that was a really great linebacker in college, and he's had a good start to the year um, in reception last week. So, But he should be healthy uh, come next week against the uh, Ravens. Yeah, I thought I was really impressed with how he played. I think it was only 89 yards rushing. But they finished with 340 yards passing, which I think is, I would say, unacceptable. I mean, given that you would hope more out of William Jackson in a contract year and Darius Phillips, who had four interceptions last year. And then, you know, you have the rotational guys, LaShawn Sims, Tony Brown. You want them to step up just because due to some injuries, um, with like Mackenzie Alexander and whatnot. Yeah, I, I want to also go back. Um, I, know, I know we're just talking about the defense, but I want to go back to the offense a little bit. And we talked about Joe Burrow, and this, I think he was the first ever rookie quarterback to have three straight 300-yard uh, games, I believe is what it was. It's correct? amazing that he's the first. And you think about all the great quarterbacks who were obviously rookies. Yeah. And, like, you look, he had nine different receivers that had at least one catch this game. You know, talk about multidimensional. And not only did these receivers help him out in the passing game, but you look at, like, Joe Mixon's uh, pitch run in the fourth quarter. You saw Jonah Williams getting out there. But what about, like, the blocking from these receivers, Auden Tate, you know, Mike Thomas, Tyler Boyd, A.J. Green, they stepped, in a, they stepped up in a major way in the run game. And I think that's just, it's like a mindset because if you can get all guys on the same page, all to, you know, execute on a given play, that could be a scoring play, you know? And it's just like you want all these guys to buy into the play. You want all of them to buy into the mindset that if you do the same thing each and every single play, you can score on any offensive play because right now, Joe Burrow is playing on an elite level, and these receivers, look at Tyler Boyd. He's playing like a top 10 wide receiver in the league. I think this offense can do anything if they all buy into the same, you know, same idea. Absolutely. I mean, I've heard the expression many times that great offense beats great defense. And, you know, it was told to me one time that if every player on the offense does his job, it's probably going to be a touchdown. The only problem is, I mean, it's so hard for every single one of them to do their job somewhere. It gets cut up. But this offense has the keys to be able to become a lethal offense i mean maybe not this year they'll be considered lethal maybe not next year but here in the next couple of years this Bengals offense could be considered lethal which is very rare in the nfl to be considered a just complete lethal offense and i think that that's something that the Bengals definitely could could evolve into yeah but you have to get the players and the personnel right and that leads me to this so we talked about multi-dimensions one guy who's really stood out to me the last two weeks T. Higgins. You saw yesterday, not only see this you know, perimeter guy, but there was one play, I think it was in the second quarter on the drive that ended with the interception. It's a shame because it was a great drive. T. Higgins comes across the middle, and the Jay Feely, who was the color analyst yesterday on CBS, he was saying how he slowed down 
to make sure he hold it in, and then he turned on the Jets and ran like inside and ran inside the ten yard line. So not only so what, what you're seeing with T. Higgins is that the, the, the coaching staff Brian Callahan and Zach Taylor can use him in multiple ways. That leads me to this. And I know I think you both know where I'm going, where I, I think I know where my opinion is on this. But would you rather? Okay, we talk about the Bengals. Preston, you talked about how the Bengals' offense has the potential to be incredibly lethal, maybe down the road. But you have to get the personnel right. So, are you going to you know invest in AJ Green, which he's playing on the franchise tag, so he's going to be a free agent again after this season? And then you're going to have to decide. Okay, do we franchise tag him again? Do we? Maybe give him a long-term extension right now. The answer should be, should be a resounding no there, or do we let him go? Or do you, and if you do let him go, you're going to invest in T. Higgins. I would go, I would go way more with T. Higgins. I, what I saw with A.J. Green yesterday was a receiver that he just looks, he does not look like A.J. Green. And he's not injured. He's very healthy. Um, now he did have a hand injury yesterday, but he he came back on the field. He, he he's tough. Um, but the numbers yesterday for AJ Green, one catch for three yards. Really? That's on five targets. And yesterday I tweeted out that you know we're literally seeing T Higgins. I think taking Green's job. You know AJ Green, arguably wide receiver one. You know you could probably flip flop that with Tyler Boyd. But T. Higgins has really become the true wide receiver, too, for this team this year. And A.J. Green, like, he just looks a step slower. He can't seem to separate like he used to. I mean, it's probably a mix of age and injury. But I was uh, compiling all his stats this year. He only has 14 catches for 119 yards on 33 targets this year. That is not good. And I know that he's catching less than 50% of his targets. Yeah, and you think about a guy like Tyler Boyd, who I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but I saw earlier it was like 28 of 33. He's got like 28 of his 33 targets or whatever it is. I mean, he's had a great start to this year, and that's something that you expect from A.J. Green. I mean, given that not every single throw is going to be perfect, but you expect A.J. Green to, you know, make those crazy juggling catches like we've seen him make, but he's just not able to do that anymore. And... After this year, I mean, I really don't know right now if I expect him to be on this team after 2020. I, I right now I'd say no, but and you look at Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd is the best receiver on this team. Can we get can we get that straight? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I think we, we can all agree to that. Straight. No, Tyler Boyd. Look, Tyler Boyd is in his prime, and he's one of the best wide receivers I think in the NFL. It, definitely top 25, maybe not top 10, but top 25. I think you can definitely put him up there. He. He is the best receiver on this team. He's in his prime. He's only in year five. He's got a lot of years left in front of him. He stays, in, he stays healthy. He's incredibly consistent. You're seeing uh, seven catches on eight targets for 90 yards. He and Joe Burrow, if there's any receiver who Joe Burrow has the best chemistry with on this team, it is Tyler Boyd. We mentioned T. Higgins. He had four receptions for 77 yards on seven targets. Yeah, that's not great, but at the same time, look, he's a, he's a rookie. He's going to, you know... He's going to take his lumps. He did drop a, a pass right near the goal line early on, early in the first half. But I'm not too concerned about that yet. He's had other chances, you know, where I felt like he could have maybe hold in a pass. But you're seeing Joe Burrow. He's going right to T. Higgins, and, and rightfully so. This, I mean, you, we, I watched him last year at Clemson. He was, you know, a great perimeter weapon for Trevor Lawrence. And I mean, Joe Burrow is obviously as good of a quarterback. I think he's maybe maybe a little bit better than Trevor Lawrence. I'm not going to try and get into a conversation about that there, but um, yeah, you have to figure out okay who who is our personnel we want to go with. Tyler Boyd obviously is, is you know your best wide receiver. 
Joe Mixon, you've extended him. I think what you're seeing with A.J. Green, now, he could, okay, he could, and he hasn't played this team since week two of 2018, but you remember, Justin, because you were there, I was there too, and Preston, I don't know if you watched this, this game, but it's Thursday Night Football week two in 2018. You remember what A.J. Green did against the Ravens in the first half? Three touchdowns. And he has had a history of torching the Ravens, but he hasn't played against them since that game because he was injured in week 11 of 2018. He was hurt all of last year. Now, if he goes out there on Sunday and puts up maybe 10 catches for, I don't know, 130 yards and a touchdown, then we have something to talk about. And then, because T. Higgins is on a rookie contract, so he's not going anywhere. And A.J. Green, well, okay, you want to put him on another one-year deal? Fine. Then you'll have to pay him so much money. It could be a Le'Veon Bell, Kirk Cousins situation. And A.J. Green, I think he, he said he would play on the franchise tag before. He said he loves playing in Cincinnati. So if he puts up a decent enough of a season that he would want to play on the franchise tag again, that's a huge win for the Bengals front office and for us because he does have some value. I know he's struggling right now, but hey, the Bengals are playing well, and now that they have a win, you know, winning cures a lot of things. Now that they have a win, there's some momentum, there's some palpableness within, you know, the fan base. We're happy. And this game on Sunday, you have a huge opportunity. Now, we'll talk about that in a minute. Preston, what do you got? I mean, I think that when you talk about A.J. Green being a step slow and all this, I absolutely agree. I think there was one play um, in particular that kind of sticks out to me. Um, and we were, we were going into square. I believe it was in the first or second quarter. And I remember this ball slipped out of uh, Joe Burrow's hands and it fell a little short. It wasn't even it – wouldn't, it wouldn't have been caught either way. But I remember just watching A.J. Green on that route, and it was a pylon route. He's running to the front pylon, and he just had no separation the whole way. And, I mean, there was just nothing. And, I mean, I think that's something that you see A.J. Green in the past – I mean, he especially being a top receiver, those pylon routes are where you make your money in the NFL, you know, you're in the, in the end zone. And then also there's just been a couple catches in the last couple weeks that I think J.J. Green would have made, and he hasn't. And I don't want to completely, you know, sell out on him, obviously. I mean, he's A.J. Green. But, I mean, it, he has been out for a while, and I think that we're nearing the end of that excuse. Like, it's, that, that was about the time when, okay, you can't really say that anymore. Um, wow. But if the conversation is just T. Higgins or A.J. Green – I mean, I think that that's, that's pretty, pretty clear you're going to go with T. Higgins. I mean, and then you look at the age. I mean, you look at, I mean, Joe Burrow and T. Higgins came up in the college system the, the exact same time. They took over college football the exact same way. You're telling me they don't have much respect for each other? I mean, I think that they have so much respect for each other, you know, playing against each other, not being teammates. And I think that their connection, especially now, but especially in the future, I mean, I think that's something that you're, you're looking at. A, you're looking at a, an amazing connection that could be, brought up here on the Bengals right here with T. Higgins and Joe Burrow. You bring that up. There was a uh, Fox 19 um, down here in Cincinnati. They had this um, math equation in, in a story when Burrow and T. Higgins were first drafted, and, and it goes 9 plus 85 equals cool. And you remember Carson Palmer and Chad Johnson. I don't know, Preston, if you watched uh, Bengals games back then when it was Palmer and Chad. That feels like a, such a lifetime ago. Yeah, it does. Um, but, I mean, look, what those two guys would do, I mean, they the Bengals' offense in those days was electric. And now you have that potentially again in two. Keep this in mind, too. These are two rookies in Burrow and T. Higgins. And they're still, and they're still really young. They're on rookie contracts. T's going to be around for four years. Same with Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow's not going anywhere. No. I mean, he, he's played his whole career in Cincinnati. Now, I'm not trying to make bold statements on this show, but I'm, I'm, I'm just saying what I think is going to happen. 
Here's, the, here's what stands out to me about Tyler Boyd. 2017, he was awful. Do me a favor, Justin, pull up his number, or one of you pull up his numbers from 2017 because... My internet's a little funky right now. I remember my, my recollections of that year. Do you remember we were, we, were, we were about to play the Buffalo Bills in week five here in Cincinnati, and Tyler Boyd had been like arrested for something, mm-hmm. or he, he wasn't playing because of something, and he had a really down second year. He only had like 20-some catches. Yeah. But the way... I can, I can even pull up his number. So the way his season ended, though, was in Baltimore on 4th and 12. Andy Dalton hits him for a 49-yard touchdown. The Bengals win that game. Their season, they end the Ravens' season. And it's ever since that game. It's ever since that game. He has been this team's best and most dependable wide receiver. And not only... Is he that way in terms of the stats he puts up on the field? I think about I think about the little things. I think about you know his toughness. I think about his effort. Remember last year we were playing in Miami. I was literally just about to bring this up. He he's injured on he's injured on a play, and he crawls to the line of scrimmage, stands up so he doesn't have to, so they don't have to run ten seconds off, so they can spike the football. That right there is toughness. And then you think about yesterday. He takes a huge hit. Who's that number 42 guy in Jacksonville? Yeah, I remember people were saying he's probably uh, the most hated man in Cincinnati at the moment. And he, yeah, there's a lot of things I want to say right now, but I'm not yeah. going to say that here. God bless you on, on the show. But uh, um, yeah, he, well, that was a hard hit. And then he's down for like several minutes, comes back into the game. I mean, he, that's somebody that you want to have on your team. And he was like that. You know, at the end of 2018, like he was still playing hard every single play. I remember we were playing the Browns, that game where it just kind of all unraveled when they came and beat us 35-20. And it was the game where, of course, you know, uh, Hugh Jackson, Baker Mayfield, Baker, and Hugh kind of, you know, didn't, Baker was not really wanting to talk to him after the game. So um, Tyler Boyd had a touchdown in the third quarter, and he's so mad once he gets into the end. So he like shucks the football at the, were you at that game? Uh, I was, yeah. So now I think that was in the end zone where you sat in. Yeah. So was. you got to see it firsthand. So he chucks the ball at the um, the wall, or whatever that's called. Um, the, yeah. Yeah. So at, at the base of the stands, because like he plays with such immense passion for the game, and that's someone that I want on my team as a fan. And it all goes back to that game in Baltimore where you know the Bengals called his number and he delivered. And yeah, the off seasons, eight months, whatnot. Still, the potential's been there. Great draft pick in 2016 in years where the Bengals have not drafted overly well. But I will say this. 2019 is turning out to be a better draft than maybe uh, we thought. Jonah Williams has looked solid through the first four games. He's staying healthy too, which is key. Drew Sample has had a really nice first, has had a really nice few weeks. Now with Uzama being out, you could have the same situation in tight end. Who do we want to invest with? If Drew Sample keeps putting up these numbers, hey, I'm fine with investing in him. Um, Jermaine Pratt's done okay. Uh, Ryan Finley, eh. I don't don't even remember our fifth or seventh round picks. Uh, It was uh, Roddy Anderson and Travion Williams, I believe. And Ronell Wren. Uh, And then we also drafted Jordan Brown, the corner, in the seventh round. Yeah, that's a shame what happened to the first three you mentioned. I was really pulling for Rodney Anderson. I, I wanted to see him because... You know, he's so, you know, he was so good in college, he just kept getting hampered by injuries. 
I'm not trying to make this about last year's draft, but <laughs> I mean, this year's drafts turned out to be pretty solid as well. Akeem Davis Gaither, uh, I think he had a quarterback rush yesterday. He had a half a sack, yeah. Half sack. Um, I'm trying to think of Logan Wilson, of course, didn't play yesterday, but he had an interception the week before. So, I mean, yeah, this team is starting to come together. And we talk about Tyler Boyd. We talk about, you know, the tight ends, Drew Sample. Obviously, we know what you're getting, Joe Mixon. Giovanni Bernard, who still brings great value to this team. I don't even know where I got there with that tangent. <laughs> One of you. Um, but I think right now what we're seeing is a lot of the new guys coming in the future. Joe Burrow, you know, even not like exactly new guys, but guys like Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon, guys that haven't been in that, guys that aren't like eight, nine year veterans yet. T. Higgins and Drew Sample. And what we're seeing right now is who do we want to invest in in these next few years? I think CJ Uzama's in the second year of his three-year extension, or maybe in his third year. I can't remember exactly what. When and this he's... is the first time he's really been injured, so you yeah. can't you can't really put that much of a blame on him, if at all. Oh no, but you know, like we were just talking about with T. Higgins, you know, we're seeing what T. Higgins can do for this team. Obviously, we're going to give him a substantial role in this offense because you want to see is he able to take over for AJ Green. Because if AJ Green comes out and plays well and T Higgins struggles, obviously we're gonna. I mean, obviously T Higgins will still be on the roster, but if T Higgins plays well and AJ Green and he takes AJ Green's spot, you know AJ Green's probably out the door. And then these young offensive linemen, you look at Jonah Williams, you know we're gonna invest it in him as our long-term left tackle for the next, hopefully his entire career. And then we're looking at guys like Michael Jordan, Billy Price, Alex Redman, guys that you know might have a substantial role with this team for years to come. I think it's important to have a year like this. You might not win a lot of games, but it's going to tell you who you want to build around in the future. Guys like Tyler Boyd, Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon. Those are guys that all show heart. You know, you're just saying all those injuries, like Tyler Boyd, he had that crazy injury in Miami, and he got up and stood up so they can clock the ball. And then, you know, he had that. He was favoring, like, his left shoulder. Even after he got hurt almost the entire game, and he still played very well, seven catches for 90 yards. You want to build around these guys. And, you know, if it's going to be the cost of maybe giving up a guy like A.J. Green in the offseason, so be it. But your team's going to be better because of it. Absolutely. I think this is the quintessential rebuilding year. You know, last year, I mean, you kind of got through it. This year, you have pieces, and now you just got to build them up. And I think that, yeah, some guys like A.J. Green, I mean, you hate to say it because he's been such a Bengal great, but maybe for the betterment of the team, maybe at the end of the year he goes. I mean, maybe, I mean, you want to see A.J. Green be A.J. Green. And that's, that's just the best hope you can have. But, I mean, I think in a rebuilding year, I think that you can't, you can't exclude anything going out the door. You have to keep your mind open, and I think that anything could be a possibility when you're trying to build around a young core like this. And this goes back to the fact that professional sports are run like a business. You have to make tough decisions. I get it. Like you said, Preston, A.J. Green is an all-time great here in Cincinnati. He's had a great career. I'm not trying to dismiss anything he's done. However... You have so much potential and a bright future. You have to make the right decisions here. You cannot just keep AJ Green because what he because of what he's done for you in years past. No, you have to look at the present situation and say, okay, yes, he's good, or yes, he's had a great career, but what can he provide for us now? Like I said, if he ends up having a season where he has like maybe 65 catches, 800 yards, and maybe five touchdowns, yes, I I'm fine with them bringing him back on another franchise tag. That's fine, because T. Higgins is going to be on a four-year rookie deal. Now, we haven't mentioned him yet. John Ross. Boot him. Seriously. What has he done for us? Nothing. Every single year, it's 
he can he has all this potential and you should root for him because you know he's a great guy he works hard he's trying to get better please i completely agree with you what are we what are it, it still baffles me that he was a first round pick and to think that the that the player who was drafted after him is some guy named patrick mahomes he's pretty pretty good he's all right yeah yeah he's i mean he's <laughs> Uh, by the way, Tyler Boyd's numbers in 2017, 22 receptions for 225 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, the previous two years, 76, 1,028, seven touchdowns, 90,046 and five touchdowns. Through four games this year, he's at 28 for 320 and a touchdown, which means he is on pace for uh, 112 receptions for 1,280 yards and four touchdowns. Solid. And you can say, well, you want him to score more touchdowns. Fine. You have Joe Mixon to run the ball in, right? And we haven't even really talked about Joe Mixon yet. Think about this. I remember, Justin, you texted me on Saturday morning that Joe Mixon was questionable with a chest injury. That makes you, that, that gets your head going. I mean, that causes you to not be able to go back to sleep in the morning. Okay. He had a pretty nice game yesterday. <laughs> he had a fantastic game. And he said in his post-game interview that he was in the... Um, I think he was in the doctor's office for like three hours, like super late. He was in the hospital. Yeah, in the hospital. Yeah, he was like in there. I don't even know until what time. He just said till really late. And you think, you know, think most people, you know, like, oh, I'm going to be in the hospital for, you know, several hours with a chest injury or chest pain. You you don't even think about, you know, doing any substantial physical activity. (laughs) Well, Joe Mixon came out and played an NFL game and scored three touchdowns the the next morning. And took a huge hit on his first touchdown. You remember it was the the, the receiving touchdown? I mean, that was Miles Jack. I think that, you know, that's, which, that's, yeah. And then (laughs) he pops right back up and he's dancing the end zone. So uh, he says he slept wrong, which, I mean, I guess can, you know. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you got got to take this seriously. And I, I give Joe all the, you know, I understand everything you're saying, but yeah, what a what a game for him yesterday. Just like I said, the coaching staff finally figuring out ways to get him the ball, and it's a wonder what what can happen when your best player or your most I shouldn't say your best, but your best player is Joe Burrow, okay? But your most valuable player, without question, can we agree on who the most valuable player on this team is? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you, and I think like the thing I love about Joe Mixon is he loves the guys around him. Like after in week four of 2018 in Atlanta, you know. We had that uh, basic game-winning touchdown pass to A.J. Green. And you see Joe Mixon, he's out that game with, a, I think, an ankle injury. Maybe? Knee injury. Knee injury. And he comes spring down the sideline, jumps on A.J. Green. You know, the coaches are probably thinking, like, whoa, dude, take it easy because we need you. But, you know, he's just so excited. Played great the next week, by the way, against Miami. Had a receiving touchdown that game. Yo, yeah. He, I mean, it's just like he, like I said earlier, he is the definition of heart. He is the definition of a guy. And I think he's really, honestly, like, he really loves this organization for taking him after having such a, you know, he didn't know if he was probably going to get drafted or not after having that controversy in college. Um, so he's happy where he's at, and you love to see it because you love to see guys who are happy with their situation because, you know, we love the Bengals, we love the city, we love this team, and you love to see the players love it too. And as much as we might, as much as we might say, oh, I hate this team, like, you know, after a bad loss, you know, our loyalty will never change. No. And it's good to see guys that are loyal to the team as loyal as these fans are because it just makes us all happy, honestly. And it makes the front office, you know, look smart for investing in Joe Mixon. I, I'm going to bring up two. Uh, one I'm very familiar with. The other one I kind of remember vaguely in his rookie year. So Joe Mixon, you know, last year when we played the Jaguars, he had 10 carries for two yards. Yes, he had that stat line. 
That was the game where the Bengals had 33 yards rushing. All 33 yards were accumulated by Andy Dalton. That's how bad the run game was last year, folks. So Joe Mixon, the story goes after the game. By the time the Bengals were walking back into the locker room, Joe Mixon was already walking out to his car. He was that upset with whatever, whether he was not getting many touches, whether he was not successfully running the football, whatever it was. At that point, he only had one touchdown on the season. Um, he ended up having a really nice second half of the season, long story short. But still, like he was upset of how he was being used and how bad the offensive line was in terms of getting him opportunities to do what he does. And I think, and I think Joe Mixon doesn't mean that in a selfish way for his personal stats and whatnot, and, you know, fame and whatever. No, he's because he knows he can help this team win games. I'm totally okay with you acting like that in that situation. I go back to 2017 as a rookie, and I'm going to pull up the numbers from that game, but we were playing the Steelers. Uh, you, guys remember, you guys remember this game. Week 7, we played them in Pittsburgh. We lose the game 29-14. to Fun fact, the Steelers had more yards than us in the second half. Oh, no, let me phrase that. The guy who f- threw the fake punt pass had more had more <laughs> yards himself than the Bengals did as a team in the second half. Yeah. That's how bad that game was. So Joe Mixon, after the game, is complaining that he didn't get many carries in that game. I had someone on, on Sports Any Way You Wanted, the show that yours truly and Zach Freeze co-host, I hosted it myself back then. I had someone call into that show and tell me that Joe Mixon is an entitled loser for what he said. That could not be farther from the truth. I watched that man that year continue to get better and better and better, and he was the reason why the Bengals' offense was as good as it was, because he brings something to it. He did then, he did in 2018, and he did last year. So Joe Mixon, whenever he acts like that, it's not because he's doing it selfishly. He's doing it because he knows he can help this team win games. He means it with good intentions. And I was concerned... um, through the first three games because he didn't have any touchdowns and he wasn't performing at a high level. But the quotes were coming out today that he was not he was not like that. He's been very unselfish. And Zach Taylor said this in his post-game press conference yesterday, that this is a very unselfish group. And Joe Mixon is that. And it, I think it's good for him. His confidence is there now after that incredible performance yesterday. And it's great for the team because he because they know that Joe Mixon is the key to this game. I don't care what you have to do on Sunday. Give him the ball 30 times. Eventually, he'll accumulate some yardage. You can't just... Because let me tell you, the Ravens' run defense is incredible. It's always been that way, right? But you have to find a way to give Joe Mixon the ball at least 25 times a game. You have to do it because they're going to tee off on Joe Burrow, that defense. Preston, what do you got? I think that Joe Mixon, he hasn't had the season that we wanted him to to this point until Sunday, obviously. But him coming into this season, I mean, we all knew what he was. We were all hyping Joe, uh, Joe Mixon up. We thought that he was just going to have this amazing season. The last, the first three games, I mean, it just wasn't quite there. I mean, it, he showed spurts, but it just wasn't quite there. And then to see him have the game that he did Sunday, it just felt great. I mean, not just for Joe Mixon because you obviously want to see him succeed, but for the team because it just helped the offense so much. And I saw a clip of after the game, um, Zach Taylor was giving out game balls, and I mean, gave out one basically every single starting player. I realized. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> after he got done. You know, I think he, Joe Mixon was one of the last guys he gave to. I think the last one was Burrow. And then Joe Mixon, you know, gave his ball like to Zach Taylor yeah. and said, you know, like, Coach Taylor, this is for you. Like, this is, I'm going to give you my game ball. And I think that just shows a lot about Joe Mixon. Like, he just had a spectacular game. Like, that hit, the game he had Sunday was spectacular. And then after the game, he gives his game ball to the coach, which I, which I think kind of shows a lot about it. 
you know, what Zach, what Joe Mixon is about. And I think that that said a lot to me personally about Joe Mixon. Yeah, and it's interesting because, like, when you think of a running back, um, I think about, like, Ezekiel Elliott, who really is, whenever he says things, it's because, you know, he he's in this for himself. And that's fine. Um, like, I remember Zeke... He, as you know, because that's what they call him. Mm-hmm. I know he went to that school in Columbus. but uh, So there was a game when Zeke, it was just 2017, week two at Denver. He wasn't getting used. They had him on a passing play, and the pass ended up being intercepted. And instead of trying to you know run after the defensive, the defensive player who had the interception for Denver and try to make a tackle, Zeke's just standing there with his hands on his hips. And, it's, and in essence, he quit on the play. Look, I understand it. If you're mad at the coaches, the coaching play calls, which Jason Garrett never could call plays in Dallas when he needed to, that's fine. You still have to give effort. Joe Mixon has done nothing but do that, as Preston you alluded to. And then now you're seeing, like, you know, I guess my point is like running backs can be very uh, egos to egotistical. They can they can have huge egos. Joe Mixon's not that running back. Joe Mixon's not that. Everything he does is for the good of the team, because he knows what he can do. For the betterment of this team, and to give the give the game ball to Zach Taylor, that's a huge testament to him. Because like, look, the coaching staff has been under fire recently, and yesterday I thought was the best game that Zach Taylor's coached in a long time. You think about what what are we feeling at halftime, down thirteen ten? What are we feeling? I mean, to me personally, I'm thinking, how awful is this two minute defense of ours? I mean, <laughs> Lou Anarumo cannot coach a defensive two-minute possession like I just so I'm just kind of going off a on a tangent right now but like Lou Anarumo I, I, I don't know I don't know it happens every week it seems like we were able it's been to the way every se- it's been the way all season yeah we're able to score you know maybe with like two minutes three minutes left in the second quarter and then the other team just drives it down our throat I, I don't understand it's like it's like they don't try I don't know if they're like oh well I mean we just scored so it's like we shouldn't have to try they only have so much time and like I don't even think the Jaguars had a timeout so it's just like, I, I, I don't well, know. Doug Marone actually coached that situation well. You want to give Minshew time over timeouts. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think they had, because I think they had used their timeouts in that Bengals offensive uh, possession the drive before. But then the Bengals just immediately give up, uh, I think it was a field goal. They didn't give up a touchdown, but they got close to scoring a touchdown. Two yard line. Yeah. And so it's just like, going to the second quarter, I'm like, well, if the defense is going to continue to play like this going to the second half, then we're doomed because we're down 13-10 to arguably, you know, arguably the worst team in the NFL. I don't, I wouldn't say maybe worse, but top five. And to have a defense do that right before halftime, I mean, how, how like, uh, what's 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 the word I'm thinking of? Um, like, it's just, how depressing is that to like go into halftime basically knowing that you're like we can't stop this offense, you know, you no matter how hard we try. Anyway, that's what I was thinking going into halftime. Sorry, I don't know. I, I want to hear what no, you have to say. No, you're totally right because it, 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 you think about the the number of times, not just in two-minute drills, but in situational football where at the end of the half, Lou Anarumo and the defense have not delivered. It happened in the Chargers game where they got a field goal. Fun fact, the game was decided by three points. Um, the Browns game, you know, giving up the touchdown to Kareem Hunt. God, that's still it's such a bad play. It sticks in my mind. It's such a bad play by Carlos Dunlap. So. Yeah. So it was that. And then the end of the game, too, where it, it, the, the Browns just ran off six straight rushing plays with, like, five minutes left. Yeah. Situational football. Stop the run. Don't make it easy for them. And then both halves last week against Philadelphia. 
Randy Bullock kind of helped out with the first one, and then it was the touchdown to Greg Ward, and then the end of the second half, of course, in the fourth quarter, where they just let Carson Wentz go straight down the field and score a touchdown inside of the game. And then yesterday, both times inside two minutes, you give up six points. But what stands out to me, so that, that, that was the glaring weakness yesterday of the defense. You take away those two drives there where the Jaguars accumulated 131, uh, Gardner Minshew rather, accumulated 131 passing yards. You take those away. Jacksonville's offense was awful yesterday. They were not very good. They did have two scoring drives in the first half, please. Or and, and another one late in the game. Okay, fine. Take away the two drives at the end of the first and second halves. The Bengals' defense played really well yesterday. James Robinson was a non-factor in the game yesterday for Jacksonville. That was huge. 89 yards rushing. And what has been this team's Achilles heel on defense recently? Rush defense. It was fantastic yesterday. But here's the thing. It was a great win yesterday. It should have gone the way it did. Maybe maybe, maybe be a little more, bit more in terms of the margin of victory. But still, you come away with a really good performance. But can you do it against the elite teams? Let me tell you, your next five games are no joke. Baltimore, Indy, Cleveland, Tennessee, Pittsburgh. Need I say more? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I think when you look at the defense yesterday, they did good. It was a great performance. You just, you got to, now you got to start nitpicking a little bit with the, at the end of halves, you can't give that up. I mean, Gardner, Gardner Minshew's a good quarterback. I mean, he's nothing special. He's young. Um, you just can't give those two drives up at the end. And I mean, this, I know the second one at the end of the game, I mean, that was more give them cushion, you know, just make sure they don't have a blow-up touchdown. Um, but, yeah, and then, I mean, you talk about it. I mean, this as excited as we are about this game, I mean, the defense has got to prepare. I mean, you're, you're playing Baltimore next. I mean, then you got you got a lot of good deep offenses to play here soon. I mean, it's not – you can't get – and I know they're definitely not going to be, but you can't be content with this performance. You know, it was a great performance, but you can't be content with it. And this defense is looking good. You just got to keep improving. And you're talking about how Zach Taylor was giving away game balls at the end of the game. He just goes, oh, the whole defense, yeah. you know, like, you know, you should say the run defense because, well, he said, like, you only held him to, what, 89 yards rushing. Like, that's the standard. But you gave up 430 yard, total yards of offense. I don't think that should be the standard because, what was it, in 2018, the Bengals gave up three or four 500-yard uh, yeah. uh, games. Again, it was, like, the Buccaneers, the Chiefs, and whatever. And you're playing the Ravens next week. Arguably the best team in the entire NFL. Probably the best rushing team in the NFL. You, you think about last year, Akeem Davis-Gaither said today in his interview, he saw that highlight run from Lamar Jackson where he spun out like Nick Vigil and Carlos Dunlap, whoever it was, and that crazy touchdown run last year. And he said he's tired of seeing it. Well, if you're tired of seeing it, you better you know step up and make sure it doesn't happen again. And I think they honestly have an advantage. I talked to you about this earlier, Alex, like Josh Bynes coming from Baltimore. I mean, I'm not sure how much like one player is going to have a – huge advantage just because he came from that organization but he probably knows some of Lamar's tendencies and Lamar's still a young quarterback in the NFL he's not able to hide all of his tendencies and you know he's probably a little bit predictable but these linebackers need to step up in a major way considering how young they are Jermaine Pratt he's in his second year Logan Wilson assuming he'll probably play after missing this last game with a concussion Akeem Davis Gaither maybe Marcus Bailey if he plays so you have to play your best football all season. And that's this is going to be for this later in the week that that show, but uh you know, I think I think you need to play like how you did on Sunday. And if you do, then maybe you'll put this team in a position to win. That's the thing about this game. That's the thing about the game on Sunday at Baltimore. It's like I feel 
more confident than I did going into either game last year against the Ravens because the offense I know is going to do its part. The offense, I feel like, is going to put up some points. And, you know, the Bengals have faced some good, competent defenses this season. Joe Burrow's done really well against them. Now, this is going to be the best defense he's faced. The Ravens have great players on all three levels. Now, Akeem Davis gave her what he said. Look, I'm look. if you want to come out and say I'm tired of seeing it, fine. Keep in mind, he's a rookie. He's never faced this team. Then again, a lot of guys on those demons have not faced the Ravens. The Ravens, look, you, you, can, you can say they didn't look good against Kansas City. Okay, Lamar Jackson said Kansas, Kansas City is their kryptonite. Every other game this season, they've been pretty damn good. Okay, so that's a rookie saying that. You better come out and be ready to play. You better find a way to somehow contain Lamar Jackson, that offense in space. But... As far as yesterday's defensive performance goes, look, I thought overall, outside of the two-minute drives, it was very, very solid. You know, and we, I keep saying it. Now that they've won a game, they have momentum. Don't lose sight of it. You can't go into Baltimore and lose 45-14. If you do, we're going to be right back to where we're after Philadelphia. If you go in there and play competitive, maybe lose, let's say, 31-24, we are thrilled about where this team is going. Now, the Colts game is is going to be pretty tough, too, because they played well yesterday, especially on the defensive side against Chicago. But now, if you win at Baltimore, okay, now we can really get going. Um, but it's just like you have momentum. Every time, this, every time in years past when this organization has had some sort of momentum, they're never able to, to sustain it, I feel like. There's always something that happens. You just got to find a way to go out there and continue to do what you did in this game on Sunday against Jacksonville. And Jacksonville, like you said, Justin, they're not a very good team. I think they're a, they have some parts of some pieces there. I thought Gardner Minshew was okay yesterday. I think he still may be the answer at quarterback. Look, I mean, he... He came into yesterday with like a 73% completion rate. Yeah, he did. I mean, that's pretty damn good. I mean, that's Joe Burrow 2019-esque. Now, that's through the first three games of the season. But what I'm saying is like, that Jacksonville team, they came in yesterday not a bad football team. The Bengals exposed them, yes, because they're really not that good on paper and it showed yesterday on the field. But I I look at this team and I go, yeah, great win yesterday. You know, we have some momentum. I, I just wish we could have beaten Philly. Yeah. If I, we if we had done that, what? We'd be sitting here two and two? Like, all right, going to Baltimore and just whatever. I don't think the Philadelphia tie maybe isn't as bad. I mean, then again, they're playing an extremely banged up 49ers team, but they're still playing the 49ers. They were just in the Super Bowl, and they're playing them in, um, excuse me, yeah, San Francisco. They're still in San Francisco, right? Mm-hmm. They're technically in Santa Clara, but you can. Okay, call them yeah. Santa I, don't, I don't know why I'm thinking. I don't know what I'm thinking. <laughs> anyway, they go in there and they beat them. And, and that, I mean, that's a that's a pretty good one. And so maybe the tie doesn't look as bad. I guess we'll see what what happens at the end of the year. But yeah, you're right. I mean, the Bengals did. You know, they beat a team that they were supposed to beat, and that's I think that all that that's all that matters. And I remember Zach Taylor. I can't remember if it was um, before the game or maybe it was a post game press conference. But I remember seeing this quote that he had said that they. The Bengals had had a great week of practice, and you know, you maybe maybe not maybe they don't have a great week of practice, and they don't beat the Jaguars, but I think that could be the difference. You know, we talked about earlier about all the guys buying in. 
if you get them to all buy in and practice and have a great week of practice, then you know you have a chance to beat some of these top tier teams because practice is where you make your money, you know, or the game. Wow. Or even, well, you know, I mean, that's where you, that's where you really practice. Is sharp, that's where you sharpen your game, and then that's what's going to lead to a great game performance. Yeah, practice is where, practice is where you prepare to make your money. That's where you get your finances in order and you prepare to make your money on Sunday. That's that's all fine. But yeah, I go back to what you said, Justin, about what Zach Taylor said. Another thing that was said was Josh Bynes apparently gave this speech on Saturday uh, about overcoming adversity. And look, this team faced adversity yesterday. Down 13, 10 at the half. I wasn't feeling great. I'm like, should we be up by, you know, maybe 10? Are we lucky to even be in the game considering how many mis- mistakes we made? The the holding call on the touchdown by Trey Hopkins, which, by the way, I'm not calling that in that situation. The interception, which, again, as egregious as it was, it's not a horrible throw by Joe Burrow. If you're Drew Sample, you've got to haul that in. I don't care if, if Miles Jack is blanketing you or not. you got to haul that in. And you were sitting right there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you I were sitting, you were sitting like right there. You had a first-hand view of the play. Yeah, I absolutely thought that he should caught it. And I thought he did catch it. And I mean, I think that... I did too. I think it's a tough play, but I think you, you do have to haul it in. And I mean, also, just... just I mean, simultaneous possession goes to the offense. So just keep it. But I mean, it's, it's Miles Jack. It's tough. But I, I definitely think that you have to hold that one in. But then a little bit, Justin, to your point, I mean, last year, in just one year, I think you've seen the Bengals already take big strides. Mm-hmm. And not, not anything monumental, not like, oh, this team's going to win the Super Bowl, but I think that they have taken big strides, and they still have very young players. All they did was change some young players. I mean, and, and I mean, they've got some older players too, but all they really did, I mean, look at Joe Burrow already. I mean, and this, he, this is his, he's played four games. Four games. I mean, I think that... The more this team goes, the, I mean, the, the, there's really no ceiling on this team. I mean, they could, they could be very, very good. And I think just because all the strides that they have already made, I think that they, they can really just take so many more. And, I mean, I think this is kind of step one, I mean, getting a win. Yeah, that's exactly, what, that's, that's exactly what this game is to me. It's like now that you have a win, and the fact that it's still early in the season, you know, you can't do anything about the tie. You you. you you came out and responded, excuse me, and now that you have a win, you feel like there's a lot of momentum on your side, especially going into a game like Baltimore. So yesterday, the Bengals offense, I mean, they come out, and Zach Taylor said this after the game, and this, this, can, be, this can be taken two different ways. You know, someone asked him, what did you say at halftime to the team? And he said nothing. And they just came out and continued to do what they have done. And, you know, they, they I, I don't remember the exact, the, the full quote, but... You know, they, they ran the ball well in the second half. They, um, defensively, they were very solid. Think about this. You know, Jacksonville, their touchdown drive in the second half, there was only one. It was um, 30, it was 30-16. They had a fourth and four. And had it not been for a great catch by DJ Shark, the Bengals are getting the ball back in Jacksonville territory. It was a back shoulder throw from Minshew. So, um the reason why Jacksonville accumulated some yards is because they were, in essence, trailing by so many points. Now, still, Lou Anarumo in that two-minute defense, situational defense, it has to get better. But as you say, too, Preston, with the strides that this team has made in just one year, Thursday Night Football, people were so up in arms about the defense, and rightfully so. That That's the biggest thing that stood out to me in that Thursday night game in Week 2. I'm thinking, guys, we scored 30 points. We were never out of the game. We were we battled till the very end of the game. The, if this game's played last year on Thursday Night Football, the Bengals get blown out. 
35-13 at, at whatever it is. At best, that's the margin. Probably might be bigger. But you're seeing the talent is there, and maybe the coaching staff is starting to come together. If you go into Baltimore and, pl and play them competitively, heck, I might owe Jim Turner an apology. Never thought I'd say that last week. But you're, again, the second half yesterday was so critical. What did they outscore him? 23 to 12? Solid. Yeah, and I think talking about as much as you need to see players have that chemistry and how much you need to see progression as the year goes on, I think you need to see the exact same thing with the coaching staff because this coaching staff has only been together for two years. You know, they're in their second year right now. And as much as the players on the field make a difference, it's all the same on the sideline because they're the ones calling the shots. They're the ones that are coaching these players, telling them what to do. And as long as they can follow their assignments, you know, obviously the, the talent is in there, but like, you know, as long as they're able to follow with their assignments, they're going to have success. And I think that, you know, I think we did see a mature, much more mature play calling and a much more like coach game by Zach Taylor yesterday, you know. I was very happy to see us go on that for that fourth and one that Joe Mixon got us the first down. I think that might have been in the first quarter. I'm not exactly sure, but you know, yeah, I, I want to see us go for the fourth and shorts. You know, I think it was even in Cincinnati territory. It's not like we were deep in a Jacksonville territory. We were like at, the, at around 35 yard line. Yeah, and so that just shows that you have confidence in your players. And just going back, like if you give Joe Mixon confidence, just like that, you saw what kind of game he he had. He'll carry that throughout the entire season. You just have to show that you trust your own players. And if you do that, then that's a recipe for success because when they have, when you have confidence in those players, the players are going to have confidence in themselves and the coaching staff. I mean, and you hate to keep going back to it, but I, I, just, I was just thinking about it. You know, we talk about strides that the Bengals have made. They are a 50-50 pass interference goal, a few different possessions in the Browns game, and maybe one defensive stop in the Eagles game for being 4-0. And I mean that. I mean that is that, that's three things that you'd say. What if? What if? But I mean, th these games were there for the Bengals, and I mean just that fact right there is monumental. I think. I mean, I think that's 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 a huge stride. And I mean, I I just think that is huge that they were in every single game. Now against the Ravens, let's just hope. That they may be, you can say the same thing next week. I think it'll be a closer game than yeah. the, the, the yeah, line right now is Ravens, what, plus 13 and a half. 13 and a half. That's, that's a lot. Yeah, mm -hmm. it is. That is a lot. But I just think that that fact right there has just showed how much these the Bengals have progressed. And like you said, with the coaching staff, I hope they continue to progress. I mean, I think that that's, that's just huge right there. Yeah, and that's why yesterday was so important to get the win because we have seen, you know, some positives. Even last year, like I said, the coaching staff had gotten the players to buy in, even in a 1-14 season. I don't think people understand how hard that is to do when there's so much losing going around and because there was so much staleness in the organization from the previous three years, the final three years with Marvin Lewis. So now you're starting to see it. This game on Sunday presents another opportunity. I mean, heck, if the Bengals win this game, can we consider this a franchise-altering win? I, would I mean, I mean is, is, is it that great of a Would it be that great of a win? I absolutely would think so. I mean, if you beat the Ravens, who have Lamar Jackson. Reigning you know, MVP. Yeah, reigning MVP. And you have arguably the best rushing offense in the entire NFL. And you beat them with a defense that's not, you know, it's not top half defense. And it's a, you know, it's an offense that's coming together as the season has gone on. And you beat them at M&T Bank Stadium. This is a game that, 
you know, you look at the season, you go, well, I mean, if we beat them, we could probably beat anybody. Yeah, but then the key is, can you gather yourself mentally to play the Colts? I think with Joe Burrow at the lead, as the leader of this team, they will. Now, let's, get, now, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves here. Look, I mean, this game on Sunday is, gonna, is no joke. Now, you can say, well, if you beat him in Baltimore, it doesn't mean anything because there were no fans there. Yes, it will. Okay, you're playing on the road. It doesn't matter. Teams are still going to play the way they normally play. And the no fans, it's a small inconvenience. That's all it is. You're still playing in your home stadium, in your acoustics, whatever. But we talk about, I mean, that this win is so important because now that you've won early in the season, you keep us interested. Remember last year? They didn't win a game until week 13. Well, we were already checked out by them, pretty much as fans. I was like, all right, nice. I was like, all right, the Bengals won a game, Yahoo. Fun fact, it was 39,000 fans at the Jets game. That was We were social distancing before social distancing was even a thing. So, hey, that's innovative there. Um, cutting edge, whatever. So, now it's like, okay, there are storylines other than all the questions that, that were mounting last year through all the losing. We haven't even mentioned this yet. The Bengals won a one-score game yesterday. I think that was the first time they've won a one-score game since 2018 against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're, you were at that game, right? Yeah, I was at that game. I remember that, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, you they have to win those games. They have to win those games because those are the games that we are so you know accustomed to losing. And, you know, you go back to last year and you say, oh, well, you know, they have all these like one-score games. If, if, if they won, if they won, if they just did this one thing. And you're right, Preston, you were just talking about it. We're tired of it, and that was the first time that we have executed. And I remember talking about the Eagles game. We have to win the game in the third quarter, and you have to sh- and you, you have to take advantage of what you have, and you have to you have to really bring it. You know, you have to give it to the other team. Like you, like you can play as hard as you want, but you really, I want to see the Bengals just like go into Baltimore, and I want to see them, you know, just really bring it to the Ravens because I don't think the Ravens are expecting much from the Bengals. I mean, at least I wouldn't. But if the Bengals come into Baltimore, I don't want to. So I know we keep talking about Baltimore. I know that's for a later show this week. But you know, I just want to see the Bengals be aggressive. I want to see us just play well. Maybe not win, but I just want to see us, you know, do the right things. Have good play calling. Have a well coached game by Zach Taylor. You know, and I think you know I'm hopeful for the rest of the season. And about if the Bengals, if the Bengals what what do they got to lose going into Baltimore? What do you what do you have to lose? I mean. Just don't get blown out. Exactly. I mean, if, you <laughs> no. don't get blown, if you go into that game, but even even for the nation, I mean, that's looking at this game, if you see, oh, the Bengals lost by a couple scores, okay. But if this is a close game, then people start to open their eyes. And, I mean, I think that this is, this is a great game for the Bengals to be able to prove themselves. It's an opportunity, too, because you look at the AFC North. Every team is good. Yeah. Every team is really good. The Steelers didn't play this week, but they're still 3-0. The Ravens are 3-1. The Browns are 3-1. Never thought I'd say that in 2020. Um so, yeah, th- this game has a lot of importance. Got about just over a minute left. Um, look, great win yesterday. Joe Mixon showed what, what, how. Bleh. Joe Mixon showed he's worth every penny of that $48 million. And again, great to win a game like this early in the season. That shows tremendous strides. Just don't let those go away in Baltimore next Sunday. Yeah, and my final thoughts are just like, you know, build on this momentum, be happy with the win. Don't be happy with it for too long. Have a great week of practice. Joe Burrow's already moving on to Baltimore. Yeah. Zach Taylor needs to, you know, construct a great game plan and be ready for Baltimore on Sunday. Don't be content. No. So, all right, everybody. Well, this is the BearCast Media Bengals Recap Show. I'm Justin Cashman alongside Preston Stober and Alex Frank. And we will talk to you later this week. Thank you so much for listening.